Dun, 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 dun. I have published a new book. It's called The View from the Deck, Thoughts on Values, Vision, and Gratitude. If you like morning motivation, you're going to love this book. You can find it on Kindle and in paperback form on Amazon, and the audiobook is coming soon. So check out The View from the Deck, Thoughts on Values, Vision, and Gratitude on Amazon now. It always works out in the end, and if it hasn't worked out, it must not be the end. Think about any story you've ever seen, watched, told, heard. How much of the story, by minutes of screen time or pages, percentage-wise, how much of it is in conflict, in doubt? Because once you're not in doubt and conflict anymore, the story's over. Then it's just wrapping up. It's just epilogue. So if you have a 300-page book, the conflict is resolved on page 287. If the conflict resolves on page 150, you know the conflict's not really resolved. What else is going to happen? This is what happens in all forms of literature. It's what we expect. It's also what we find in the Bible. All the tight places suddenly turn out. We spend a lot of our time in the tight places, in the difficult places, the challenging places, the hard places. And we forget we've been in tight places before and we came through them. We forget our past victories. We forget what we've already done. We just notice the tight place we're in right now. We forget that we are so far undefeated that no challenge that's ever come before us has killed us yet. That's why we're still here. If you can hear my voice, nothing has succeeded in killing you yet. You are undefeated. You have been through every tight place so far and you are still alive and kicking. But what do we focus on? We focus on the challenge of the moment. We're evolved to do that. If we're thinking about the lion we ran away from last week, and we're not focused on the lion who's trying to eat us today, we're getting eaten today as we feel good about what happened last week. That does not do us any good. We do not pass on our genes. We do not support our offspring because we got eaten by a lion and we died. So we're evolved to focus on the challenge of the day. But the world is more complicated now. And it is no longer time when you can look around and say, oh, I don't see any lions, I'm not getting eaten today. Because now, you can be eaten by tax liability. You can be eaten by regulation you didn't realize. You can be eaten by a letter in the mail you didn't see. And then there's all the challenges you do know about. All the tight places you might know you're in. Your schedule is overwhelming. Your client is angry at you. You don't have enough money coming in. The bills are coming. The kids are angry or sick or having some kind of problem you don't know how to deal with. You are in the tight places. I have to refer to the Bible because it's a book I know well and you probably know it too. There's a lot of tight places in that. The Israelites fleeing Egypt found themselves up against the Red Sea. They say to Moses, Moses, did you lead us here just so we could die in the desert against the water? We could have died back in Egypt. Why didn't we just let them kill us back there? Why do we have to walk all the way over here to get killed against the river, against the sea? Moses said, I had faith. God's going to work this out for us. But there was a moment, and it probably felt like a very long moment, where they look one way and they see Red Sea. And they look the other way and they see Egyptian army coming down on them. One way, water. Too deep to swim, too long to ford, don't got any boats. They can drown on one side, or they can be impaled by one of the greatest armies in the world on the other side. Those are their choices. They're in a tight place. And then suddenly, Moses, with God's help, or God through Moses, opens the sea, parts the Red Sea. Okay, 
All right, we're good. We can travel through on dry land. We got it, except one little problem. The Egyptians are on chariots and horses, and they're moving faster than the Israelites on foot. So they're just going to kill us on the other side of the Red Sea. But they march through. And they say, okay, let's go. We're in a tight place, but one thing at a time. They're just going to get across this Red Sea. And they get across it, and the Egyptians are coming through, and they're on their chariots, and the horses are galloping along, and the Red Sea closes in on them. Splash drowns them all. And the Israelites come through. What seemed like an insurmountable challenge, suddenly they came through it. We go later in the Bible, go to the New Testament. Jesus going around, he's preaching to everyone, he's got all these new ideas, people are following him, he shows up in Jerusalem, and people are chanting in the streets. They are so excited, there's so much energy, the Holy Spirit is in them. The Pharisees say, Jesus, calm these people down, the Romans are going to get upset. And Jesus says, I can't calm them down, they're so excited. If every one of them stopped talking, the rocks would sing out. There's so much spirit in the air, it cannot be controlled. Wow, he's doing good. Things are going great. And then he gets arrested. And he's dragged through the streets. And the very same crowds that were chanting his name and saying he was the Messiah are throwing tomatoes at him. Or whatever the, the Israeli equivalent of throwing tomatoes is. They're jeering him. They're spitting on him. You're not the Messiah. Look at you. You're in chains. Well, looks like the end of that story. That's a tight place. That's why we've never heard of Jesus, right? Because he lost. Loser. He gets executed. He's in such rough shape, they put him up in a common criminal and says, Hey, who you want me to free? Jesus, your Messiah, the guy who's going to be the king of the Jews, or this random schmuck? Free the random schmuck! Okay, free the random schmuck. The random schmuck gets freed. Jesus gets flogged, gets mocked. Crown of thorns put on him. Oh, you're the king. Put a pointy crown of thorns on his head. Jam it down there, blood running down his face. They put him up on the cross. He has to carry his own cross. Now, you probably have this image in your head wrong. The cross is actually the cross beam. He didn't carry the whole T-shaped thing. He carried basically a telephone pole, about six, seven, eight feet long, that was going to be attached to it. So he had to carry that thing that he was going to be hung from all the way up to Calvary, where it would then be attached to the vertical part, and it would be stood up, and he would then be crucified, executed. So Jesus being executed, this makes being stuck against the Red Sea seem like a pretty desirable situation. You've got some places to go, at least maybe you can go north, you can go south, you can fight, you can do something. Jesus was tied to a cross, hanging in the air, and what crucifixion does, if you're not aware, is it slowly suffocates you over the course of three days. Oh, and normally in crucifixion they tie the victim to the cross not jesus no they nailed him to the cross so he is nailed to the cross nailed you know think about if you've ever gotten a splinter now imagine that splinter is a thousand times larger and right through your hand and nailing you into a piece of wood and you're hanging on it and then the way crucifixion works if you relax then your chest constricts and you can't breathe so you hold yourself up so you can breathe and then you relax down into it and you suffocate and then you got to hold yourself up and then down. No food, no water, but it still takes days to die normally. This is one of the miracles that's less talked about is that Jesus died on the cross in a matter of hours, not days, which is a fascinating miracle. 
of mercy, but it still seems like the game's pretty much over here, right? How do you get out of this one? The Messiah is dying. Death is pretty much the end. We know how that works. People don't come back from the dead. Game over. And people are thinking he's gonna he's gonna pray in the and he'll float off the cross, right? He's gonna shoot these nails out of his hand and say, "Ha ha! I am the Son of God. You can't kill me." And then he dies. He he he's dead. They take his body down. It is definitely quite quite stone dead. They wrap it up. They put it away in a tomb. Game over, man. And all of his disciples and all his followers who still believe, not the ones who change their mind because they've been celebrating messiahs for 50 years and this is their 14th messiah but his actual disciples who thought that jesus was the guy they give up they're like i really thought he was the guy i thought this was a metaphor i didn't think he was actually gonna die now what he's he's dead and then they go looking for him in the tomb and he's not there where'd he go who stole his body give me his body back and he's standing there He's standing there saying, well, what are you upset about? What, what's wrong? And he comes back to the disciples, like, I told you I was coming back, didn't I? And they were like, well, yeah, we thought that was a metaphor. And he's like, no, I said I was going to die and come back. I died. Hi, I'm back. Now let's get this party started. But they were in a tight place. They thought that everything they were hanging all their hopes on was gone. These people had left their families. These people had abandoned their social obligations to follow this guy, and suddenly he's dead. Now what? The disciples couldn't exactly just go back home and be like, all right, I'm back now. Yeah, I know I abandoned you and all my obligations to my family to go follow this wacko, but uh, he, he's died, and I was wrong, so I'm back. <laughs> can, I, can I rejoin the, the family? <laughs> yeah, these guys were in a tight spot. But it turned out they, they just thought they were in a tight spot. And here's the thing. Jesus, from the beginning, said, here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to be judged, spit on, and have rocks thrown at me. I'm going to be executed, and I'm going to come back, and that's when the party's really going to start. That's when this is really going to happen. They're like, yeah, yeah, we believe you. He's like, you got to have faith that this is the plan, everything's going to work out. Yeah, 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 of course, we believe you. And then it happened. They were like, oh, my God. He, he actually died. This is crazy. This can't can't work. So they believed him as long as he was sitting around the table and they were laughing and talking and drinking wine and, and celebrating the new kingdom that was going to come. And then it actually happened and they didn't believe him anymore. Because it's easy sitting at the bar with your buddies being like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. It's a lot harder when you actually get into the weeds. It's a lot harder when the challenges come, even if you predicted every one of them. It's a lot harder to have that faith because suddenly when you're there and your Messiah's dead, you're like, huh, what the hell were we thinking? We thought this guy was going to die and come back? What the hell? We thought this guy was going to stand up to the greatest empire the world has ever seen and, and win? What the hell were we thinking? We were stupid. And then they were stupid because they didn't believe him. Even after spending three years saying, yes, we believe you. And then exactly what was predicted came to pass. They didn't believe it. They were stupid because they didn't believe it. Now, I'm not asking you to believe that someone who is dead can come back from the dead. That might be a bridge too far here in the 2020s. But I'm asking you to believe that the thing that you thought could happen could still happen. 
If you got married and you said for richer, poorer, and sickness, and in health, and good times, and bad, I got you, you got me. And then you encounter sickness, and you encounter financial challenges, and you're poorer, and you're broke, and you're in debt, and things aren't working, and you can't take the vacations you want. You knew this was going to happen. You said it at the altar. And you joked about, oh, man, yeah, maybe we'll be in this place and we'll be eating pizza because we can't because the lights got turned off. Wouldn't that be so romantic? And then it happens. Not romantic anymore. All the challenges, many of the challenges you're facing, you knew were going to come at some point. But you also know you're going to get through them because you've gotten through everything before. You're undefeated. You have been through many, many tight places. You've been through all the tight places so far, and you've come through somehow. And you may say, but, but you know, in the last tight place, we got divorced. In the last, last tight place, I lost my job. Or in the last tight place, my, my kids got arrested or whatever. And so, you know, I, so I lost. Did you? Or was that just what the tight place was? Maybe the challenge wasn't being able to have a perfect marriage. Maybe the challenge was to get through the divorce, come back and keep moving. Maybe the challenge was to get through that illness and keep moving. It turns out for the best in the end. And if it hasn't turned out good, you're not at the end. Maybe you're not at page 285 of the book. Maybe you're at page 150 of the book. Maybe the story's not over. If you're in the tight place, you're simply in the dramatic scene. You need the dramatic scene, the challenge, in order to overcome, in order to thrive. You don't get the triumphal music until you get that minor key music. You've got to get through the challenge. You have to establish the drama. You have to establish that hard part. Otherwise, it's not worth anything. If it doesn't rain, you won't appreciate the sun. If it doesn't freeze, you won't appreciate the beautiful warm day. People who live in places where it's always 72 degrees and sunny, they spend a lot of their time inside because they don't realize what they've got. They're like, ah, I'll get out tomorrow, whatever. If you live in Oregon, you get a 72 degree and sunny day, you're outside morning till you're working outside, your laptop's outside, you're doing it, you're cooking outside, you knock a wall out so you can be outside. Anything you do be outside because you get, I don't know, what, 30 of those days a year. Whereas if you're in one of those places where the weather's nice all the time, eh, I'll get there later. Maybe I'll take a little walk. I don't know, tomorrow I'm kind of busy. Whatever. You need those challenges to appreciate it. Otherwise, what would be the point? Otherwise, how would you recognize it? And it's, it's baked into us. It's evolutionary. We always need to be striving. We always need something to recognize a difference. We get, com we get complacent. We get bored if we're saying the same thing over and over again. We don't like that. That gives us a sense of malaise. And malaise may be your tight place. It may be that you've been doing the same thing for 20 years and it's not turning out and you just had that existential crisis. What am I doing with my life? That's just another form of a tight place. And you're going to come through that too. Look to all these stories. Look to sports movies. Look to the Bible. Look to Star Wars. Whatever story you need. And think of the stories your friends tell. Not the whiny ones. Not the, my, my friend at work, my co-worker did this and it's so upset. Blah, 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 blah. Having the bad job is the tight place. Having the bad job 
is pages 30 to 100 of the 300-page book. It's the setup. It's not even the conflict. It's the setup. Because when their story's done, the way they're going to tell it is, I used to work at a place where people did this and that and this and that. And finally, I got fed up. We're at page 180. We're entering the conflict. I got fed up. And I quit. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I just quit without thinking about it. And for a moment, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. And I was afraid. Uh, and then I started doing some gig work. And that got me some money. And I met someone. And that led to another job. And it's been amazing ever since. That's the end of the story. When it turns out is the end of the story. If someone tells you a story and it's just whine, 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 so everything's wrong, it's everything that's a conflict with no re resolution, you don't like that story. You say, stop whining. I don't want to hear your whining. But if someone says, oh, let me tell you a story about how I got here. I was in this low place. It was bad. Then I went through a challenge. It got worse. And then things started to pick up. But then there's one more setback. There's always one more setback. You know what I'm saying? Then it's one more setback. And then... Finally, things broke through. The clouds parted, the sun shone, and that's where I am now, and things are pretty damn good. It always turns out right in the end, and if it hasn't turned out right, it is not the end. So hopefully you feel this has turned out right, because this is the end. This is all i got to say today. I hope you found value, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I want your feedback. I want your stories, not your whining, although I'll take that too because maybe I can help you to flip a few pages on that. But I want your feedback. I want your thoughts. Send me an email, michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. Love to hear that. And stick around every week for another Sunday Reflection. Thanks for listening. I have published a new book called The View from the Deck, Thoughts on Values, Vision, and Gratitude. If you like morning motivation, you're going to love this book. It's a lot of the same concepts. The basic principle of the book is that I was coaching clients, and they were telling me about their dream life, and I was recognizing elements of their dream life in my everyday life. And it made me realize there's things in my life that people are dreaming of, and there's things in my life that the me of a few years ago would absolutely have given his right arm for, and chances are you've got the same. So I took these concepts about values and what makes us do what we do, vision, where we want to be, and gratitude, appreciating the awesome things we have, and put them together into one awesome book called The View from the Deck, Values, Vision, and Gratitude. You can find it on Amazon.com. Just search for Michael Whitehouse, The View from the Deck, and get your copy today.